How's it going, everybody? I am Charlie. I am joined here, as always, with Duke. And this is our all-out post-show. So we will be talking. um, uh, We have our Monday edition of Eat Sleep Elite. We will cover the entire week of wrestling. That'll be out tomorrow. Starting this week, we're going to really get onto our Monday schedule of Eat Sleep Elite. Instead of Sunday like we have been, it's just Monday is just going to end up being easier. And it gives us a specific day we can shoot for. Um, As always... The scrum has not happened yet. We record this quite literally the instant the pay-per-view just happened. So um, if anything crazy happens in the scrum, you know, Brawl Out 2.0, it, it hasn't happened yet for us. So um, as, and as you guys can tell, we'll be talking some CM Punk tomorrow. So we're going to have a long talk about him being fired from AEW, all this and that. So really look forward to that tomorrow. If this is your first time ever checking us out, Thank you. And pretty much what we're going to do is we're just going to go front to end, break down the show of All Out, which I think, let's just talk about this real quick. You know, the match quality tonight was on another fucking level. I think this, this is one of those pay-per-views that in 15 years, right, no one really ever remembers the builds of a lot of these programs. That's just kind of how it works in wrestling. You have your, your some that do stick out more than others. But if you're going back and watching this pay-per-view 15 years from now, you're not remembering that, you know, fucking Shane Taylor and Samoa Joe was just announced the night before. Or, or Danielson and, and uh, Ricky Starks. Like, it doesn't matter that they haven't touched each other in the ring yet. What matters is the fucking match. And this is, I'm not kidding you, this is an all-time AEW pay-per-view in terms of match quality. Uh, but yeah, Duke, That's how you fair. doing? And uh, and just opening thoughts what'd you think of this yeah i mean i thought i'm it's one of those things where we were talking kind of all day and i'll just be 1000 percent honest we were kind of like both like super burned by this point because of how fucking much wrestling we've had to watch in the last two weeks like um and i make it sound like it's a chore but like it's just it's been so much and like like six hours no probably like eight hours of pay-per-view or something ridiculous you know like so like it's we we were a little burnt and we were not like super super mega hyped to watch this show but like honestly the whole time watching it i was just locked in i didn't even think i wasn't getting bored i wasn't getting i wasn't feeling that exhaustion maybe a little bit but then i went and grabbed some food and i was fine you know what i mean like so i'll um, even go as far as to say this i think this was going into it the first aw pay-per-view i wasn't super excited for I was just, I was kind of like, all right, well, we got a show tonight. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't over the moon. I mean, compared to last week, right? Where I was just fucking just all day the day before. I mean, it's all I'm thinking about. I'm just so excited. I I told you, I didn't even sleep. You didn't even fucking sleep. Yeah, literally. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, guys, uh, let's, let's jump into this. And, um, we open up the 20 man over budget charity battle royal and our, our winner here is Hangman Adam Page. He was kind of the empty-headed dumb fuck. <laughs> he was kind of your big entrant, if you will, or your former world champion entrant. We had Mogul Embassy in there. We had uh, Andretti and Darius, uh, Aussie Open, Scorpio Sky, 
Danny Garcia and his jabronis. Fucking Commander was in there. Sean Spears. You name it. Dalton Castle and the boys got a little bit of shine. This match ends with uh, Hangman Adam Page with Brian Cage and Toa Leona. And I sometimes, guys, the most obvious choice is the correct choice. And that was kind of the, the vibe I really had going into this when we saw Hangman in. I'm like, oh. Hey, duh, it's fucking Hangman. Why wouldn't you have him just, you know, why wouldn't you have him take it? I was even thinking at the time, final two with these two guys, once we started kind of waning down the uh, opposition here, final two with these guys and Hangman, like, yeah, just let them take them both out. Fuck it. It'll be good. My main note here, and we'll talk about this tomorrow as well, Trent Beretta has been booked very, very strong in these battle royals. But uh, yeah, I'm, Hangman being the winner, I think it's the right choice all around. What do you think? Yeah, agreed. I, you know, it's, um, it's, I feel like one of those things where, like, Hangman doesn't need to be on this pay per view, right? Necessarily. It's, there's not, he could be, but there's, you know, he was on the old one last week. He didn't need to be on this, but they just threw him in there because they're like, yeah, people want to see Hangman, Hangman win a match. I don't get the crowd hyped, you know? People like, people like almost universally love Hangman. Even if you were on the punk side, you still, I think, like, unless you were just like a complete jackass, like, I think you Hangman's still, an awesome guy. Yeah, like it, I don't know how you could not like Hangman. Like, that's <laughs> anyway. That's that's conversation for tomorrow's pod. But you know, like uh, yeah. you know, like I I just like yeah. I I, I for for the match that opened up the show. You know, it got me like I was like, all right, all right, let's get it. It was your de- definition what... of going through the motions, battle royal until like literally the last three guys. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, we had a six woman tag here where we had Willow Nightingale, Sky Blue, and Hikaru Shida defeat. Athena, Diamante, Mercedes Martinez, as I kind of was thinking, like, our Ring of Honor girls, if you will. Uh, they were, like, all teamed up. Here, I, I think for the first half, this was a, you know, kind of fairly run-of-the-mill. It was Sky Blue being isolated, really kind of narrowing down Sky Blue. Uh, we had bickering between Athena and her partners. Uh, Billy Starks was there. Um, as Tony Khan did give us from Fightful Select, the original match was going to be Athena versus Billy Starks on the show, but Billy is not cleared. So they wanted wow. to get Athena on the show either way. And this is the way to do it. And yeah, I mean, the crowd cared about Athena. They were buying into her stuff. Um, multiple challenge. Honestly, coming out of this match, there could be multiple challenges coming for a title. Yes. Right? Like, I, I would, to- I'm totally game for Willow getting another shot. Uh, Sheeta, I think we're getting a story here with Britt Baker's kind of the vibe I was getting throughout the match. And, but yeah, I I don't know. So, well, you know what I mean? Like throughout the week, if you will, Mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, any thoughts you had on this one? I mean, Sheeta and Athena, I feel like that was kind of the, when they were in the ring together, that was, uh, my Jimmy's were getting to wrestle a little bit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Anyway, um. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was good. I, I didn't expect this to get a ton of time and it didn't. Um, but, um, you know, I, like I was saying to you when we were watching this live, you know, it's, you get, you gotta, there are certain things that make sense. Giving Sky Blue a win in her hometown in front of the biggest crowd she probably wrestled in front of in her hometown. You know what I mean? Like, I, that just makes all the sense in the world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, we ended up getting a sky blue hit the uh, code blue on Diamante for the victory. And that's back-to-back code blues that I think the person taking it fucked up. I don't know. Either way, it looked very sly. Like, it's two in a row. It's just because it's notable on AEW television that it happened. But 
I think she does it a specifically different way than other people. Like, I guess I've seen Darby do it that way too, but like, I think the way she does it maybe is a little bit more advanced than some people are used to like just taking like a sunset flip or something. She does it fast. I mean, it's very fast how she does it. So if you don't practice that a shitload, like I'm sure her and Jade, the infamous one she hit on Jade that was like literal picture perfect. I'm sure they practiced it a shitload, but I... I am so down with Sky Blue getting the hometown victory here. She is the face of Chicago now, so, you know. <laughs> uh, we had another Lafaxiona Gobernable video with, oh my, just so fucking remarkable. What these guys are building within this group, it is bringing a certain violence. They want to dominate, and Roosh, Jalisco, and Preston Vans are coming for the trio's titles. They're decl- they want those titles. So. I mean, can we talk <laughs> the acclaim and daddy ass for those guys? They're oh, going to yeah. get fucking hijacked in their ass beat. <laughs> oh, 100%. It's, oh, I didn't expect the acclaim championship reign to be super long with those trios titles. You know, like, gonna get we need to start whooped. getting some shorter reigns with these titles. Because the, the trios titles are cool, but unless you're like the House of Black, the Elite, Death Triangle, I don't think you should be holding it for forever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. In our last zero-hour match, we had the acclaimed and daddy-ass with Dennis Rodman defeat Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal Satin. saying that I also had uh, Karen Jarrett and Sanjay Dutt out there to retain the uh, AEW trios titles. Uh, I believe at the beginning here, uh, I think the varsity athletes theme has been jacked. Um, yeah, it's, been, it's been hijacked <laughs> I, for sure. Hey, I love the theme. Don't get me wrong, but it worked for the situation and good on them. But yeah, this was interference filled, you know, mumbo jumbo, good pre-show fun, guitars over the head, Rodman got to do a guitar shot, he's scissoring the champs, and Dennis Rodman honestly looked like he was having a blast, and the Chicago crowd was loving it, so I think it accomplished what it needed to for a pre-show, and yeah, kind of, in a way, set the tone for the rest of the night, right? Doing what the pre-show does, and then we get into our main show. Better than you, Bebe. Defeat John Silver and Alex Reynolds to retain the ROH Tag Team titles. Better than you, Bebe was kind of sporting this uh, Chicago Bulls-style jersey, which I really liked. Um, throughout the match here, we kind of worked at the uh, MJF injury angle, as well as the Dark Order were, like, really healing it up. They, uh, did they go full blo- like? Is this a heel turn? Did we have a heel turn within this match? No, I think I think they've been heel for a little bit, man. I think that was the whole point of them. Um, like I, I, they they did something in Ring of Honor recently that made me pretty sure they were heels. Um, they've been it's wrestling just, a more aggressive yeah. style lately. They've been it's kind of tough because the last couple of weeks they've really been leaning into this even more. Um, but we haven't reviewed Ring of Honor, so we really haven't discussed it. But yeah, it is well, something on Rampage. They were baby faces, so that's what made me wonder. Like, are they going to? Uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe this is them asserting their Ring of Honor heel is ahead of them. Maybe they're like, okay, we weren't expecting the babyface reaction on Rampage. Let's double down. We're going to have you guys work heel against our two biggest babyfaces right now. No debate in that. You're going to work heel against them, and people are going to fucking eat it up. And they did. They ate it up. Uh, yeah, I think, I think they've been trying to make them heal. I think, like you said, I think there just was like a little bit of an inconsistent reaction there, which does yeah. happen sometimes. I mean... You know, look at MJF. Rampage, Ring of Honor, who knows what people are, you know, the fucking consistency with those. It's going to, 
Some people probably aren't. They had no idea, right? <laughs> um, it would have been interesting to see uh, see what what happened there. MJF hit his kangaroo kicks, the double the double clotheslines, and uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver hit that double clothesline on Adam Cole, which that was when I was like, okay, there's no going back from that. You're gonna get booed out of the fucking building. I think MJF's earned his break. <laughs> Yeah. I think he's going to get a little bit of time uh, to chill out and not wrestle as much. And the reason because of that is he's walking up the ramp post-match. Samoa Joe's entrance hits. He's walking to the ring for his match. And he shoves MJF's bitch ass out of the way. And MJF fucking loses his mind. He charges the ring. He's wanting to fight Samoa Joe. And I don't know if they're setting up a future. They must be setting up a future world title match. Between MJF and Samoa Joe, we have Grand Slam, which might be MJF Roderick Strong. If those are MJF's next two opponents, count me the fuck in. Oh, 100%. So, I am so down with that. Speaking of Samoa Joe, how about you take the lead here? We had Samoa Joe defending his ROH television title against Shane Taylor. And they dropped a stat nugget. Yeah, he was like, I want to say 60 days away from the yes, record. Just about 60 days from the, the Jay Lethal longest uh, Ring of Water television championship reign ever. Um, which I think it, he clears that for sure. Uh, especially yeah. after this match, uh, which we'll get into in a second. But um, this was uh, your first of of two big, midi, big meaty men slap and meat matches of the night. Um and uh this one definitely delivered on the on the big meat slappery. Um oh, yeah. they were hitting the shit out of each other in this match. This was not the hardest hitting match of the night. That that honor went to Kenny and fucking <laughs> Takesha, hundred percent. But uh they were really trying to set the tone for that for that kind of stuff later down the show. Um and this was interesting because I pointed out to you while we were watching this that Joe we never see in a position like we saw in this match. He was getting no. the shit kicked out of him by Shane Taylor. I if, if Shane Taylor doesn't come out of this like with a fuck ton of momentum, I will be shocked. You know what I mean? Because again, you you never see Joe in a position like that. I don't think even ever in WWE or TNA, I, I think I ever saw Joe in this position. It's kind of insane, you know. Even against CM Punk, he who should be his equal, yeah. he's still dominant, you know. So. He like, didn't look I, this vulnerable against Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, hundred percent. I would agree with that. That's so. This is how you know that I think Shane Taylor could maybe be the guy to actually take this off Joe. Maybe they slowly build like a sort of badass edge to it, but still babyface sort of Shane Taylor. Um, I I think there's something there. Um, and uh, Joe ended up retaining, obviously, um, but. I think it was really fascinating to see, um, uh, like I said, a situation where Joe was put on the back foot, and there was, I think, a few moments where I thought he might actually win the match. Yeah. Um, I should say Shane Taylor, you know, pronouns. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it was a really fun match to me. Like, I, I'm it was. honestly... I'm, it was quick, too. Six and oh, a half yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it flew. Do you think this performance and how they booked him does this earn Shane Taylor? Do you are, are we going to be shocked if we hear in like three weeks all of a sudden he's popping up on Collision or Dynamite more and he's an AW guy going forward? 
Uh, not really be that surprised because we've seen the exact kind of sort of thing happen before with people that have been mo- mo- that mainly focused on like the Ring of Honor brands and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, uh, we also have people like Dalton Castle, who I think are staple Ring of Honor people and Shane Taylor might consider himself more of that. Yeah. At this point, then I would love to see him get Shane Taylor promotions up and running again. Oh, 100 percent. But he I can mean, do that in AW as well. So, you know, get him in and um is it Griffey? Is that his name? I think it's Griffey. And then yeah. Khan was the other one. But maybe you could recruit someone instead of Khan. Yeah, because Khan's obviously with the uh, Mobile Embassy right now. I'm not sure who There's a lot recruit. of people looking for homes right now. <laughs> I mean, Blake Christian always sticks out to me. I, 100%. I got to imagine people want to associate with him. They tried the trios. They tried so many things with him. But yeah, that was a fun ROH television title match. Yep. Jumping into our next match, we had Luchasaurus defeat Darby Allen to retain the TNT title. It's David versus Goliath. What does Darby Allen specialize in? David versus fucking Goliath. And this was no different here. I mean, this was seriously so much fun. There were moments when it looked like Luchasaurus actually killed the fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, um, literally. Actual murder. I Going into this match, I was really hoping that Luchasaurus has had so many big moments in AEW. But they've always been in the tag division. Or when it was came as a single star, it was in Battle Royals. I always think of that first Battle Royal at Double or Nothing. When I I was so happy that night because everyone was like, who is this guy? And I'm like, it's fucking Austin. He's the guy, man. The fucking guy, man. He had that big moment and he really crushed it. He had the tag title run. Now he's a TNT champion. And even as his TNT championship... Christian Cage has kind of been taking center stage in the storylines, which it's working. They had they had to do something completely different because this title was literally just hot potato. To even when Luchasaurus won it, I was like, "What?" But they're doing something different with this title. But this is the moment he had to step up because he's on pay per view. This was the first match announced for All Out. Dude, he fucking went out there and delivered. And Dar- Darby Allen's a yeah, madman. For all intents and purposes, they sold this pay-per-view for like two or three weeks around mostly this match, you know? Like. This, yeah, this was the match. And I, I thought everything involved, you know, you name it. There was a fucking avalanche code red. And fu- it was just, there's so many big moments that I thought were just spectacular. Darby does this spot now where he gets put underneath the steps and the person that's big oh, yeah. walks up them. It's a crazy spot. I don't know how Darby doesn't just get internal injuries out of ass from that. Like and, and Nick Wayne, I don't know if this was intentional. Honestly, it probably was because he's a fucking little mini gen- genius. When he went to pick up those stairs, he made it look like he couldn't fucking move him. He was struggling so hard. I'm like, that makes that... Little things like that. I mean, sure, if you're if you're wanting Nick Wayne to look super strong, you're gonna want him to fucking pick him up and throw him. Or if you're However, like wanting it to be realistic, you might be like, oh, well, we know the stairs don't take that much to move because they move them yeah. all the time. But it's but like for the sake of this story, Nick Wayne's yes. this eighteen year old guy where Luchasaurus is this fucking like forty year old giant and he's fucking crushing his mentor. Ah, oh, it just works so well. Little things like that. If that was just a straight up call by Nick Wayne to make it look heavier than it is, this kid's gonna be unbelievable. Like if even if selling, it wasn't, he still has to make it look convincing. If it's yeah. like, you know what I mean, if like, his knowledge is at that level right now already, forget about it. Oh yeah, I mean he was already handpicked to do this junior thing in Japan, the All Star Show. So 
the sky is the limit for him, literally. This is a 12 and a half minute match, and I, I thought it was really, really enjoyable when it was all said and done. Agreed. Um, Darby got then the shit I th- out of him, though. <laughs> I, yeah, he did. After this match, the, the crowd, something just changed in the building. And it was because it was meaty men slapping meat time. Oh, yeah. The, the mega meat slappers were out. Ate this match up. Within like five minutes, we had to slap that meat champ, bro. Big E would be very proud of his, his saying getting over this much. Big meaty <laughs> men slapping meat. I mean, he has to be proud of it. We know Big E's a fan of these guys. You know he saw a gif of it. You know He's he publicly did. said how much he thinks Powerhouse Hobbs is a badass. And when those people were saying Hobbs is just Big E light, he fucking defended him and shit like that. It's like, we know he's watching this match. And they probably did. You know, it's a couple of his buddies and... I, I'll be straight up going into this match. I was a little nervous, just because it's a big pay per view match. It's I was just a little hesitant. I was like, it's, okay, I'll, with, I'll, I'll I'll lay it out for people why we were both kind of a little bit like mm, going into this match. Yeah. Um, both guys' most recent matches haven't been the greatest that we thought that they could have. Um, and it's been a while for Miro, but I think that's still true. Um. This is Miro's first match back. We don't know which version of Miro we're getting. Um, yeah, first Hobbs, match that's, yeah, literally not against, like, these enhancement talents, which is yeah. all they've been facing. Yes. Um, Hobbs has been very inconsistently booked recently. Um, and I do think that did play into this match a little bit, but I don't think it did enough that it mattered. Like, I think... I think the key thing here was we needed Hobbs to be treated like an equal to Miro, and we at least got that. You know what I mean? Um, We did. So, but yeah, there was just a lot of question marks. Like, we just didn't know what kind of match we were going to get, and we didn't know where where we're going with, you know, with these guys. And at the very least, it was not as bad as I thought it could have been, you know? Yeah. And and I thought I thought the first two matches we had of the night were good. This is uh, we had the Luchasaurus match, which I thought was very good. And then this match, I'm like, okay, we've tilted it up another notch. The talent is showing up and showing out. Uh, this is meaty meat forever, holy meat. The crowd was giving standing ovations. They were eating this out of the palm of their fucking hands. And it makes me so happy for being, because I, I, I love Hobbs so much. I'm I'm a Hobbs fucking stan account here. All right, I I am a very passionate for him. We are some certified Will Hobbs enjoyers. Yes, and I, I just I thought they really really delivered. I think this is Hobbs' best singles match of his career in AEW. It's my favorite match. Going, I mean, before that, I mean, we're talking. I've always held his Hangman match in a very high bubble. Because he was still newer to the company, and I, I just thought that moment, I was like, oh my god, he's so fucking good. And Miro, you know, we've, we were talking about it even today. Like, it's been an up and down road in AEW. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of him lately. And now with Collision back, and seemingly he's back full time, you know, it's, we're entering more and more storylines, what I was trying to get into, which takes us to, the debut. I think the big problem with with Hobbs's booking recently, um, w- w- that you could really point out is that they had this really cool story of the book of Hobbs, and they were cutting those yep. cool vignettes, like him, you know, like mop or not mopping up, but like uh, even led to him winning the title. Yeah, 
Exactly. And we felt like we had a good direction with him going for a while, and then just kind of got, you know, shut down almost. That's the only way QTV really helps it. him win the title, and then he's kind of trapped in QTV hell. But he's still having good matches, and then it just all boils kinda, down. Yeah, kind of just he puts over Wardlow again, and it's like, ah, oh, Jesus, here we go. And you know, now he's on All Out, having easily the most over match of his career. That's, I mean, and he's out there with Miro, but Miro's hot and flexible wife is what the uh, uh, the Contron <laughs> said. The former known as Lana, I believe she'll be dubbed CJ Perry in AEW. She hit the ring, huge ovation. She looked really good. Um, and she hit Hobbs in the back with a chair. That didn't fucking hurt him. Turned nope. around. He looked like he was going to execute Order 66. Yep. Wasn't the case. Instead, Mira hit him with the Uno reverse. Cracked him over the back of the head. And uh, he, they, Perry smiles at uh, Miro. But he doesn't know what to think of her. He leaves the ring. And at one point, he looks her dead in the eyes. And says, you're not real. And then it got me reminiscing. It was only a couple of weeks ago. This man denounced his wife and denounced his God. And now she's showing up and he believes she's not real. <laughs> the Miro incel arc has begun. I fucking, I am so in with this. When he said, you're not real. I had a genuine fucking chuckle. <laughs> like I, I was like, please go this route. Please go this route. I hope we see some CJ Perry matches in uh, AW. I would like that. She had a fun storyline. I always thought with Naomi as a tag team, they had some fun stuff together. So I also don't think she was bad in the ring. I think a lot of people had that like assumption that she would be, and then so they just projected that onto her like lack of ability initially. But then like I don't think I ever really saw a bad match from her. You know, like I think a lot of people like her backstage too, which is very important, especially right now. Especially right now, we bring in people that people like. So. That being said, how about you take the lead on this next one, where we had our TBS title defended, where we had Chris Statlander facing Ruby Soho. Yeah, so uh, the TBS title has been kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It just really hasn't been booked since Chris won it a whole bunch. Um, she it's has had title defenses, but it has been, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's been the Orange Cassidy light, right? They're just getting her title defenses right now, and some of them are really good, and some of them are okay, you know? Um, but, uh, none of them are bad. So, you know, there's that, yeah. uh, there was a slow paced build. Like, so I like often like to talk about how sometimes the pace of a match will not always stay consistent throughout. Um, not in like a pacing, like, Oh, the movie's not paced out. It, it's different in wrestling. You kind of do need to control the pace, especially depending on what kind of match you just got coming off the energy of the previous match. They did need to start a little bit slow in order to not lose the crowd completely. Yep. Um, and they knew that and they used that, but once they started getting going, it was just purely good. Um, like, uh, Chris Statlander type wrestling, I guess is a good way to put it. She has a really unique style. Um, there was, and this is something that I often talk about with wrestling and submission holds. Flexibility is super important. And I've always noticed that, um, Ruby's got some really good flexibility when she does submissions and stuff like that. Yes. Um, when they, when they wrapped up the gory special on her, it just looked like the most devastating fucking maneuver I've ever seen. Like I, and I've seen plenty of Zack Sabre Jr. matches at this point. 
it was I would say Zack Saber esque the level of torque on that fucking gory special, dude. That's that's a good way of putting it because a lot of people, yeah, I can picture that exactly in my mind again right now when you think about Zack Saber Junior. like torque, and he does that move by the way, and it looks as uh, pretty much the same. Like, and now would I say would their their equals? No, but Chris Statlander has got a lot of really small things that she does well that I think add a lot to small things and matches like that. Um, like I said, the pace got really going and it started to like have a lot of energy to it. Um, they hit a really, really fucking brutal looking avalanche power slam. Um, the story of the match ultimately ended up being we had Soraya outside trying to use like, you know, the outcast tactics to try and win the championship for Ruby and out from underneath the ring comes, uh, Tony Storm, um, who then proceeds to go to the wrong side of the ring. Well, um, and yeah. <laughs> and then tough. grabs the uh, spray can out of uh, Soraya's hand and then doesn't uh, like allow Ruby to use it. Or was it out of Ruby's hand? Whatever. The point is, yeah, the spray Ruby's can gets yoinked yep. from somebody and she's not able to use it. And then Chris Statlander hits the Sunday Night Fever and retains the TBS championship. Um, so I guess the outcasts are finally falling apart. Um, Thank uh, the fucking heavens, Christ! Yeah, um, I'm fine and, with Soraya and Ruby sticking together. But... Yeah, they can be a they can be a duo. That's fine. But you know, and they can even keep doing this BS, I guess, if they really want to. But like, you know, hopefully this inspires those two to go in a different direction with it, and it also Tony Storm can now go off and do this new gimmick that she's trying out that is really interesting. Her, the whole like, her like Starlet gimmick, it's it's yeah. fucking awesome. It's different. I I dig it. It's like it's it's something completely different. I it must have just been this idea she had, you know, like oh I'm gonna lose my she's shit so... after losing the title. What yep. what can I do with that? You know, like, I guarantee you she pitched it, and everyone's like, whoa, can you pull this like, off? Whoa, this is sick. Let's yeah. go for it. They're you know you can already do this Marilyn Monroe hair. Let's see what else you got. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. I'm with you though. I thought this match was really, really enjoyable. My favorite Statlander title match so far. And you know what? Should we even be surprised? Because it's Ruby Soho in a singles match on a pay per view. She fucking crushes it each and every single time. She's undefeated in that category, and she doesn't win often. Which, if there's one thing I'm disappointed about. I really want Ruby to get a win, man. Like I, I, I want her to win. I wish it, she didn't get these title opportunities always when someone's just at the start of their reign. So because, yeah, it's always so she deserves fresh. to win a title at some point. You know, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Like if she enters a program with Tony Storm, I don't see her winning that. You know, if she enters a program with Soraya, I don't see her winning that. It's just like I, I felt like they, we had a legit chance to get her to to get a win here, but, you know, seeing how it all ended and with Orange Cassidy dropping his belt, I'm okay with now Chris Statlander taking over our Mandalorian. Bro, what's crazy is I said to you, Charlie, that it would not surprise me if Chris did not lose the title here because of they did a very similar thing with Jade and Orange Cassidy's title reigns overcrossing each other. Yeah. We could be in for a long Chris Statlander title reign here based on that information. If there's like this continuation of a really hard to be wrestling all the time champion, you know, it works for me. I just, I'm hoping this week on dynamite rampage collision, whatever we start to build for her for a legit grand slam match. And she, she's from New York, I believe. Right. And let's, let's get her on that show, defending her title. Let's get Saraya on the same show, defending her title. You can even put one on rampage. If you truly feel like it, AEW, I know how you guys like to do it. So yeah. Good stuff there. But, yeah, she's um, from West Islip, New York, I guess. But our next match, 
Well, she's literally billed from Long Island. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Strong Island. Our next match was Brian Danielson, Ricky Starks, no DQ strap match. You and I had the pleasure of watching Collision together and being genuinely surprised by the Brian Danielson stuff. Where I couldn't fucking believe it. I was like, there's how... My first question, because I'm a fucking animal, is why couldn't you go with All In? Well, looking at the match we just had today, I don't think the fucker took a single bump on his wrist. And with that being said, dude, it... I'm going to sound ridiculous when I'm about to say. Outside of his match against MJF this year, I think we have another contender for AEW match of the year. This was unfucking believable I mean, Brian Danielson, Ricky Starks, the the build of this, they did what they could on Collision. And we'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow a lot in depth, but they did what they could. And... You know, what I want to say is people aren't, they're not going to remember the build. They're going to remember the fucking match. And I I said that at the top of the show, and it rains true now. When we look back, and Ricky Starks is a multi-time champion, you know, whether it's AEW, WWE, New Japan, wherever the fuck it ends up being. It might be all the companies. I don't fucking know. It's moments like this, on pay-per-view, that we're going to look back and be like, he... It's not just only Danielson. It's Ricky fucking Starks as well. His escalation from December of last year at Winter is Coming to September today in All Out, it's unbelievable. He is. I I think he's right there to being a main event talent. And if I mean, dude, he was actually supposed to main event this show in this match yeah, against he, somebody different. And knowing that if these guys only had this much time to plan this match and, you know, that's a whole nother thing about wrestling, you know, maybe on the day you get the match and, you know, is it going to be that good? Who knows? I thought they absolutely fucking knocked it out of the park. This is one of my favorite AEW matches of the year. This is one of my favorite matches of the year, period. If if I was a fucking uh, a scale man, this would fucking break it for me, I think. Because there's a lot that goes into this. And Brian Danielson's fucking broken wrist. Not taking a bump. Dude, I mean, that that has a whole other element in it. It didn't take away from the match at all. When you when you hear that, and you're like, oh, God, what are they going to do? I mean, I've seen, like, these weird rope matches before where they just kind of hit each other in a corner. No. These guys were vindictive. They were fucking causing each other pain. When you, we see pictures of welts on them from tonight, tomorrow, whenever it is. When Ricky Starks is showing off his back next week on fucking collision, it's going to be welted up. I thought this was absolutely remarkable, and I can't glaze it up enough. Uh, oh, 100%. I mean, uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky Starks ended up losing this by passing out to the LaBelle lock, which was locked in uh, on him while a strap was held around his fucking neck. And it was a f- piece of art. It's an image that will last in my brain for a long fucking time. I swore a lot in that on, and you guys can tell the passion. It's hot. It's heated. <laughs> the final countdown played everything. Dude, everything. The final countdown. I mean, give me your thoughts on this. Just, are, are you, are you fucking, are you feeling like I am right now? I feel crazy because we just had that match with MJF, but like, I, I don't know. It was unbelievable. I mean, so like, 
Brian Danielson is going to win wrestler of the year this year. It's not even close. Um, yeah, he, he was out for 10 weeks. Yep. Doesn't matter. Doesn't fucking matter. He's still the best wrestler in the company by a mile, you know, um, best wrestler in the world, best wrestler of all time by a mile. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, I used to entertain the idea that Kenny is better and Kenny in moments can have better matches than Brian, but like my fucking God is Brian Danielson just so much better than everybody else. Man doesn't even need arms to wrestle. Well, and I think that's what makes both those guys so special is like the inverted controls, the joke about that, but it's true. <laughs> and then like this, the arm. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? <laughs> Kenny, Kenny Omega and Brian Danderson are in the same company putting on these kind of matches in the same night. What the fuck? <laughs> right, I just, I can't believe it. Go ahead, go ahead. It's unreal. Um, Danielson was immediately busted open, of course, you know. Um, they uh, started whipping the absolute shit of each other with the rope. Fucking, there's multiple spots of people being choked and hung by the rope. Brian was wearing that crimson mask. They were beating the absolute shit of each other. Big Bill attempted to get involved, but then Ricky the Dragon Steamboat said, nah, I ain't having it. Fucking yanked What punches was this guy throwing? He throws punches better than half the fucking wrestlers today. <laughs> Dude, Ricky Steamboat's great. And I still He's maintain incredible. that. I guarantee he could still have a match at his end. Brother 73 throwing punches like that. He's the kind of guy that's going to beat up. He beats up someone's dad at the fucking <laughs> at the cookout. Literally. Like you said, the finish with the label lock and the rope locked on is fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's Brian Danielson, I think, is better than anybody at finishes. I think he he knows the art of a finish in wrestling just to a fucking T. Um, and never when you lose to Danielson do you ever feel like you're in a position of weakness for losing. You're just not. You're just not Brian Danielson. So you're not beating him. You know. So like. I I hope that we could maybe get a match with Nigel if he can still go. I want to see Kenny versus Brian too now more than anything with how the year that they're both having. If that's the last match those two have on pay-per-view in AEW this year, it sh- probably should be after the years they've been having. I I this is just and and we're not even done cuz the show gets crazier from here, you know, like Yeah. We jump into uh Claude, uh, Hangman, they announced Hangman donated his 50000 to the Chicago Public Education Fund. Him being a former teacher, I think that's just awesome. Claudio Castagnoli and Willie Uta defeat Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata. Uh, we had Taj doing the commentary here. Claudio sucks eggs, which uh, was a tribute to Terry Funk. Um, dude, Uta and Shibata kicking us off with the, with mm-hmm. the grappling. I was just like, come on, man. We got the Kawada kicks. Uh, Claudio wants the tag. Kawada, who was apparently there tonight. Yeah, that was in that. That's cool. You know, you know that had to get Eddie fucking jazz. You know what I mean? Yeah, Eddie's God. No one, no one deserves this kind of shit more than Eddie. Um, but Eddie and and Claudio, their moments together were just remarkable. Uh, I, I just got to tell you, I really enjoyed the shit out of this tag match. This felt like a true. As you kind of were saying, right? Like, a, like you were getting some All Japan Tag Match vibes here. Oh, yeah. It felt like and, the kind of matches you have, like, Claudio and Eddie would be the two main people feuding right now. And they have their friends and Wheeler and Shibata. And they're like, you know, we, we got to fucking, you know, 
We got to fight be a this Japanese match out legend. because we can't have the other match yet. But we know we. I still want to beat the shit out of Claudio, but he wants you know he wants backup. Blah blah blah. blah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Wheeler's too involved. You know, like can beat the shit out of Wheeler too. Wheeler got the shit kicked out of him in this match. By the oh, way, he, the, he he was he was having a rough time. Uh, Kingston hit a he he floated out of a Ricola bomb. He hit a spinning back fist that led to a Northern Lights bomb for two. Yuta ate a back fist, fell into a choke by Shibata on the apron. Kingston turns around. Claudio hit a massive uppercut and got the pin on Kingston with Shibata stuck on the apron. So I was a little surprised to see Kingston get the pin here. Just I, I honestly just thought it'd be Yuta. But uh, uh, hey, I'm always cool with our Ring of Honor world champion getting a nice big pin on pay-per-view. So, oh yeah. And here we have Kanosuke Takeshita, Kenny Omega, Mono Imano, 1v1. And for the first time in his career, Takeshita has officially pinned Kenny Omega in singles action. Commentary really uh, this is something I had to write down was commentary was just losing their mind over Kenny Omega losing with Don Callis not in his corner. And we're really setting up this story to go even further that, you know, maybe Kenny was only winning because of Don. Like, maybe he's not as good as he fucking thinks he is. And that's kind of the storyline we're going with a little bit where maybe Don Callis really does have this kind of power. Because they tried to cheat. Fucking the cheats Jedi didn't Mind work. Tricks, bro. Yeah, the cheats didn't work. Kanosuke Takeshita pinned Kenny Omega clean as a sheet. And he pinned him last week at all out at all in too, which we just which we talked about. Um, I thought the crowd was loving this match, but uh, take it away from here. I just we, you were mentioning just the hard hitting. Oh, hundred percent. So first of all, Kenny Omega got dropped immediately right on his head. Oh, I I actually stood up out of my chair. Everyone thought that his career was over instantly. You know, like. Yeah, I got, like, um, I got flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting. I mean, it definitely added to the match. <laughs> it was like, fuck. Um, there was a spot where uh, Kanosuke was going to try and use a chair. And the ref was like, nah, dude. So he grabbed a bunch of other chairs while Kenny was down on the outside and stacked them up on Kenny's body. And then just hit a sent on Tomiko onto the chairs, which that just had to fucking God, that had to hurt goddamn to catch him more than it can you fuck, you know, like <laughs> Yeah. Um Snapdragons were in. Uh they had a really, really perfect reverse Hurricane Rana at one point. The hard hitting shit though, it's like there's a difference between like a hard hitting Japan match, right? And a hard hitting like um British wrestling match or something like that. They're both very hard hitting, but they're two different styles. Um, this is what I almost like to describe as like the AEW hard hitting sort of strong style, if you will. That's what we got here because Kenny will have these matches every now and then, like he did with Will, like he's done with other people where he is just fucking killing you with everything. And we know how Takeshita wrestles. We've seen him just, he, he does this thing sometimes when he's wrestling people that he's, you know, he knows he's going to, he's always like, obviously like a squash situation where Someone hits him with like an elbow that's not that hard, and then he hits them back with an elbow that doesn't look like it's that hard, but it fucking kills the other guy because yep. it's made out of fucking like brick, you know, like forbidden door against uh, 
uh, Tomohiro. Yeah. So he fucking cracked him with it. Oh yeah. And that dropped fucking Ishii. And if that if yep. that fucking says anything, you know, like uh and just like so there was a different level of hard hitting here. I had a blue thunder bomb off the top at one point. Oh my god. Um Don Callis attempted to murder Kenny Omega on live uh, pay-per-view. <laughs> and uh, then Kanosuke eventually tried to uh, use the uh, the screwdriver himself, but the ref grabbed it, and then that set up for Kenny to try and hit a one winged Najo, which he did not end up hitting. Um, and or maybe no, I don't think he did. I don't think he hit it. Um, he did try though, and then uh, lowered the knee pad, hit the power drive knee, picked up the wind clean as fuck, like you said. I Kanosuke Takeshita. Kanosuke Takeshita. Continues to ascend higher and higher. Um, at some point, they're going to have to give this guy another world title shot. They're just gonna, you know, like. And I think he's got to win it. There, there's a couple guys now that you can see next up, right? Uh, Ricky Starks, and I. I'm always going to point to him first, but uh, I think Takeshita is that next up now. I mean, he's proving it more and more. And then it's it's this is. I think a really emotional night for Takeshita. And I, I kind of want to marinate on that for a second, just how far he's come in AEW. And we had Shinsuke Nakamura kind of tweet out some respect to him. We had Kanosuke himself. He tweeted, I did it. I've come this far. And the comments on this are just nothing but positivity. And he feels like the guy that all of us want to root for. He feels like our home, like it's like our, it's like our number one draft pick, our our home run hitter here, and he, we want nothing more than for him to succeed. And we have talked about this match with Kenny Omega, I think since he's come to AEW, and you know the early stuff about him being almost like Kenny's prodigy when they, you know, go back to when they wrestled in Cork and Hall and DDT, and it's. What a moment. And I am so excited for him. I can't wait to see where he's at a year from now. Because if you were to tell me it's a year from now at All Out, our main event program is world champion Ricky Starks against Kanosuke Takeshita, I'd believe it right now. Yeah. And I, I think we are entering... We, we talked about it when MJF won the title. We're entering a different era with this company. And... It's it's being proven more and more over. And uh, Kanosuke, go go get yourself some Cinnabon, man. The Cinnabon, you've earned it. <laughs> we had Bullet Club Gold, uh, Jay White, Juice Robinson, Austin, and Colton Gunn defeat FTR and the Young Bucks. I saw someone say that this match felt like a collision main event. And I was like, son of a bitch. That's how good collision main events have been. Because they're so right. <laughs> this felt, this was such a fun little match here. And it really got cooking that last like eight minutes. Which we've seen with collision main events. Typically they're, they're like 25 minutes with the commercial breaks, if you will. And that last fucking eight to ten minutes, it's always balls to the wall. A great time. I... There are so many stories being told within one match. Which is why I always laugh when people are like, oh, AEW doesn't tell any stories. You see it all the time online. You see it everywhere. 
And it's like, if anything, AEW tells too many stories, like, if we're being honest. But uh, there are so many things happening within this match. And I don't even know. I would have to make, like, a literal fucking list to break them all down. But long story short, I think this is, this is, this leads to the catalyst of Bullet Club Gold runs Collision now. And Jay White, which we'll talk about tomorrow as well, new posters came out with Collision. Jay White has taken over CM Punk's spot. He is the face of AEW Collision. And does a match, does a win like this almost prove that? Like, he just beat the tag team champions and the EVPs in the same fucking match. So, I, uh, uh, very, very excited for what the future could mean of Collision. But, that being said, uh, within this match, I, the guns were the ones that got the pin. So, Colton Gunn? pinning uh it was cash i believe i believe that sounds right colton uh yeah so it was cash and he had nick apologizing on the on the apron there like dude i'm sorry i was fucking late my bad well it's nick he doesn't swear he's he's, he went back and chugged the diet coke he was so upset so but um yeah going forward collision bullet club gold Jay White's the face of your show, and, you know, I, I'm okay having Jay White and Brian Danielson and run our show. And as far as we know, this this soft roster split is getting even softer now, so, which, it's, it's fine. That being said, it's time for our main event, which, by the way, that match went 21 minutes, and uh, Takeshita Omega match went 22. So these boys were cooking, to say the least. Uh, John Moxley, Orange Cassidy, international title. It's come to an end. The title reign has officially ended. 32 defenses, 326 days. And by God, he had to be fucking killed by the final boss to finally lose that championship. Just on the surface, I think Orange Cassidy's done an incredible job of telling storytelling within each match of how long this journey has been with this title, how rough this journey has been able to like been with this title. And Orange Cassidy's proven to be this fantastic worker. And even in the the beginning of this match, they they mentioned it that it kind of all kicked off with the Will Ospreay match. It changed Orange Cassidy's career. And it's fucking remarkable the run he was on. He deserves all the congratulations for this title run. But before we completely dive into the title run, take us away here. He was your favorite pick. God, I, I, it was it was like six weeks in a row at one point. It, it, the number got way up there. We got Orange to the point Cass- where I actively chose other things because I was like, I can't just be picking Orange Cassidy. Oh, everywhere. Orange Cassidy's been your your guy. I mean, he's freshly squeezed. He doesn't have a catchphrase. He, he does not. <laughs> I. It's honestly amazing to me that uh, the the 
journey that I've gone on with Orange Cassidy because when I first started watching AEW, I pretty much only watched for CM Punk for the most part uh, and Brian, but like I really wasn't sure if Brian was going to be. I, I was really apprehensive at first because I wasn't sure, like why it was he came to AEW and like it may be a little speculative like that oh yeah he'll have these great matches but do I really want to invest if he's only gonna be gone in like a couple you know less than a year like that was the original rumor was he was only gonna do like one contract there and it was short and then he was gonna maybe go back to WWE or maybe just retire you know um and so I was really not as invested Orange Cassidy is a wrestler who I had never heard of who I had only really seen in like one match that we watched forever ago and I just wasn't into the gimmick at the time. I wasn't ready to be watching wrestling again. I wasn't as tolerant of like all the the indie shit, you know, like when I was cuz I I don't care for the most part about that stuff. It's just if I'm not invested in your company and you're doing that kind of stuff, I'm just going to look at it as amateur, you know. That's just the way I my eyes looked at it at the time. Um even though I did really enjoy the Mimosa Mayhem stuff, I just it wasn't for me, you know. Um but now he's literally my favorite wrestler in the company besides maybe Brian. But I mean, Brian, I just consider to be in like another plane of reality. Like Orange Cassidy still exists within like the plane of reality that you can like quantify things in, you know, like, um, and so, although he's starting to, he's starting to get there. Um, I, and what's amazing is that now that he doesn't have this title, I think things are getting even crazier when he actually does come back. I imagine he'll be gone for a while to sell the injuries. Right. Um, He's definitely earned a little vacation. <laughs> but uh my my god, just what an incredible title run and I'll talk about the match a little bit. First of all, stinky yeah. boot. There was some stinky boot. Stinky boot. Um Cassidy was bleeding like a son of a bitch. It's a John Moxley match, you know it had to happen. Um They did the beach break spot on the exposed floor, which I was a good spot. Um, you know, John Moxley loves to just be thrown onto concrete. Like yeah, we don't it. see the exposed floor much in AEW. It felt refreshing. He does it, but he doesn't do it every yeah. match. And we so when he it, does, yeah. um, it feels like a spot. Like he does a lot of other things, like the glass spot or the thumbtacks. Mm-hmm. He does those things in like every Legos. match he does like that. Um, so you know, like um, when he does this, it feels like, you know, different and it feels, it feels like in line with the other stuff that he does though. So I, you know, um, Cassidy was just refusing to die as he has continued to do throughout this entire run. Um, and I've been saying Charlie, the last couple of title defenses that it looked in these last couple, like he was on his last legs that it was going to be coming to an end soon. And I remember saying to you when they first teased up this feud that I would not be surprised if John Moxley was the one to take it off of him with the way that John Moxley's been um kinda sort of he's been doing a lot of stuff and getting big wins and stuff like that and being in the biggest programs and stuff like that. But he's also kinda coming out of the big feud with the whole blood and guts and all that, you know what I mean? So Yeah. Um excuse me. Um so I mean you know, I wasn't exactly entirely sure, but it was something that you know occurred to me. I was like, I wouldn't be that surprised. John Moxley is like the most decorated champion in AEW history, so adding to that would not be a terrible thing for them to do. Um, and they ended up doing that here. Um, Cassidy was was doing the thing that he's been doing throughout this title reign, and I think it's going to define it more than anything, which is his ability to sell for his opponents and make them look oh. like absolutely fucking insane wrestlers and they all are anyway but orange cassidy takes it to another level with them 
Um, because there was this lariat spot where he gets fucking lariated out of his shoes by Moxley, <laughs> and people can spin out and do that exact same bump, mostly the same way he does it. But it's the way that he lays out afterward, and the way that he leans into the fucking force of the strike, and isn't just being you know flopping around like a fish to use the way that I described the way that I play Call of Duty, like yeah, um, like you know, he, I, again, I I sound like a fucking complete nerd right now saying this, but this is this is one of the reasons why I love Orange Cassidy so much because it's the little things like that that I notice, um. His insane reign as champion has come to an end. Charlie, take us through this. Just fucking... I'll say it. It's not premature. This is the greatest championship reign in AEW's history. By not. Like, bar none. It is. It's, it's it is. not even close. Like, I think I think for a little bit of time, people are going to say one of... And, and that's fine if they don't want to declare it just yet. But this is the greatest title reign. He has made the international title the the top singles title it just made event a fucking pay-per-view because of how great it's been um but yeah as we said 32 defenses 326 days he is the second champion he's the longest reigning champion fuck he might be the best ever champion too early to call that though too early, too early. but um best ever international champion of all time just when it fucking when it's all said and done you know <laughs> it's gonna be hard to top this I'll be it's gonna be hard it's gonna take years so we're gonna jump all the way back to dynamite 158 october 12th 2022 where he defeated pack to win the all atlantic championship flash forward a week where he defends it against roosh and 10 <laughs> these names they're changed already on aw rampage that was at daly's place flash forward a week later where he defends it at dynamite 161 against luchasaurus and ray phoenix and i remember thinking at the time i'm like yo i know he's defending it these trios titles but this shit's fucking fun that night they're like on rampage there's gonna be a dream match Orange Cassidy, Katsuyori Shibata for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. And that match with Shibata, I think that's what convinced them that maybe Tony Khan was able to convince him after that match, like, hey, we, I want you for a run in this company. And that's when they, shortly after that, they crowned him the pure champion and the rest is history there. Yeah, Shibata seems like he's a fucking Ring of Honor AEW staple at this point, which is fucking yeah. awesome, dude. It's a like, fucking legend. Like, it's so cool. It's so cool to see him out. The next Rampage at Rampage 66, he defends against Lee Johnson in a fun match. That was fun. Yep. Two weeks later. I think that one was like 10 minutes or something, but they still did good stuff with it. Two weeks later, we get Jake Hager, Dynamite 164 Thanksgiving. And I'm a certified Jake Hager hater. No, I'm just kidding. But um, Jake Hader, you might say. Jake Hader. And I even I I enjoyed that match. We jump forward. A week. Rampage 69. Nice. Where he defends it against Orange. Or up. Uh, wow. He, Orange Cassidy. Defends match. It. He defends it against QT Marshall in a Lumberjack match. <laughs> uh, that was that was fun. Yep. We jump ahead a week later at Rampage 70. Orange Cassidy defeats Trent Seven. 
we thought I thought Trent might have been, you know, we're gonna see him a little more in AEW. I don't know if we've really seen him since. We've seen him like twice. We saw him once before <laughs> that. I forget who. What, what they brought him in like a multi man match, right, or something like yeah. that. He was like the eighth it, guy in an eight man match, but like. It, but then, like, it, it, but whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, he should be in a battle royal or something because they always need bodies for those. So, yeah, fuck it. We then jump forward three weeks after that at New Year's Smash 2022 on Rampage, where Orange Cassidy defeats Trent Beretta. And this was a fun little storyline here, being you know, Trent Beretta's his boy. You know, he just helped him win that match because they had the multi matches against Trent Seven here and Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian and all that, and they're like, okay, I'll give you a shot, just because you're my boy. Uh, the week later, at Battle of the Belts 5, Orange Cassidy defeats Kip Sabian. And this was one of his longest matches with this title, and I really loved this match. It was, I it was thought, what we were hoping, because we would been yeah. waiting for Kip to be given an opportunity to actually show what he can do for a while, because we've liked Kip. He's had like these really randomly good dark matches for forever, like when we had AW Dark. God, remember when AW Dark was a thing? God. Anyway, um, and feels like a what, what a different ago. era. It feels like 10 fucking years ago. Um, yeah. But this is the first time I thought there was a genuine shot he could lose it. And yeah, big Kip, actually, being... I remember saying that as well. Yep. Kip, Kip was one of those ones that early, early enough in that title ring could have taken it off of him, and then Orange Cassidy could have gone on. I think in the head we were in our heads, we were saying he'd go on to the world title right now because there was so much question mark there, you know. Like, and um, Kip was doing the tour to DDT, and they just, you know, it was like okay, it felt uh, like the timing was perfect, but they decided to do the smart thing and keep it on Cassidy because that ended up being the smart move in the long run. So they held uh, off. Two weeks later. Dynamite 172. Orange Cassidy defeats Jay Lethal. And this was, as Tony Khan said, the, the top ratings getter of this show. Uh, and that that was a precedent that he set with Jay Lethal. That every time those guys wrestled, that was when most people tuned in. Could be coincidence or it could be people just love the way they work together. We jump forward uh, two weeks at Rampage 79 where Orange Cassidy defeats Lee Moriarty. And I, I thought that was really enjoyable. So we're on a trek here now. You know, this is 2023. We're at Sabian, Lethal, Moriarty already. Two weeks later at Dynamite 177, he has an absolute killer match against Wheeler Yuta. And for a long time, this was my Dynamite match of the year. That has since changed. But I thought this match was out of this world. This title reign at by this point we're fully invested we are we're talking about how great it is we're glazing it up every week on the show these are our favorites back to like you name it It, it, we're fucking loving it uh a week later at dynamite 178 he defeats big bill a week later at dynamite 179 he defeats jay lethal again a week later in canada he defeats Jeff Jarrett. This was the second time I thought there was a very good chance he could lose the title. You could have convinced me Jeff Jarrett was taking this. They were starting this little tour in Canada. It made sense, you know, oh, we'll have Jeff Jarrett win it here and Orange Cassidy wins it back at double or nothing or they do whatever they're going to do at double or nothing. Jeff Jarrett was just so involved at this point in time. It made sense, you know. Uh, two weeks after that, Dynamite 182, he defeats The Butcher in one of his quickest matches for this title. Might be the quickest. Uh, the following week, 
he defeats Jalistico and Battle of the Belts in a fucking kick-ass match. The following week after that, like this is insane. This run he's on. Time of my one eighty small note. I think that's probably Jalistico's best match in AEW, and it's just a random match in this title reign. You know what I mean? Like, yep they they announced it that rampage before, like that same day. They announced, oh yeah, he's facing Orange Cassidy for the title. We're like, okay, okay. Dynamite one eighty four in Milwaukee. Orange Cassidy defeats Buddy Matthews. And this Buddy Matthews match is the one I always reference because after this match, the injuries truly took another toll. Like, he was selling injuries each match. But Buddy Matthews did the most damage to him. And he sold that until the very day he fucking lost it. Four months later. Four months, Buddy Matthews fucked up his hand. Four days later, he defended against Gabriel Kidd at New Japan Collision in Philadelphia, which we did watch. We enjoyed that. Ten days later, he defended at the show I went to against Bandito in a fun little match. (laughs) Two weeks later, he defends it against Daniel Garcia. Two weeks after that, Kyle Fletcher. Uh, I'm a lost Just, just, Just the list of opponents that he had for this title is fucking so insane that he even got all these opponents in this title reign. Like... These are all 15-minute match. 15, 13, 33. Buddy was 14, 11. God, his match with Kyle Fletcher was so fun. Four days after the Fletcher match, you guess what? Double or nothing. The 21-man Blackjack Battle Royal. Where he defeats... I'm going through them all, motherfucker. Ari Davari, Bandito, Big Bill, Brian Cage, Chuck Taylor, Dustin Rhodes, Jay White, Juice Robinson, Keith Lee, Kip Sabian, Commander, Lee Moriarty, Penta El Cedo Miedo, Ray Phoenix, Ricky Stark, Swerve Strickland, The Butcher, The Blade, Tony Nese, and Trent Beretta. The the tension throughout the match as you're like waiting for him to get eliminated because that's classically when somebody's title is on the line in the Battle Royal. It's like once the moment they're going to lose, you know, like if they're going to lose, you know what I mean? Like when they're going to get thrown out. So then now it's it's really a title match, you know what I mean? Like, And this was the third case where I thought he might lose this thing. But I didn't think that until during the match. And during the match, it was him and Swerve. And my God, they were fucking flowing like butter. So what does AEW do? A week later at Dynamite 192, it's Orange Cassidy versus Swerve. And this was the moment. Brand new Mogul Embassy. Brand new everything. This was the third time I thought he was going to lose this match going into the show. He came out on top. Swerve nearly fucking killed him. But that's the thing. He had to be killed to lose this title. He wasn't here. He gets three weeks off, for fuck's sake, from defending the title. At Forbidden Door, he defeats Daniel Garcia, Shibata, and Zack Sabre Jr. In a fucking just... I mean, dude. That match was so much fun. <laughs> the four of them just going back and forth. Uh, In a gets... year that we don't have, like, Danielson versus MJF, like, yeah. that might be your match of the year. You know what I mean? Like, for pay-per-view. Like, you know, like... It's just so much fun. Uh, Battle of the Belt 7, he defeats Lance Archer by Countout. Which, the way that they did that match, that was a very smart finish. Because by this point, Orange Cassidy's a walking corpse, even with these couple weeks off. He's still wrestling in tag matches. These aren't, like, weeks off from wrestling. No, no, no. He's wrestling every week in tags and shit. Two weeks later, uh, Darby Allen hooks up his boy A.R. Fox for a title shot at Dynamite 199. Really, really solid stuff. Rampage 105, Orange Cassidy defeats Johnny TV. Dynamite 202, Orange Cassidy defeats Wheeler Yuta again. 
Rampage 107. Uh, so two, three days after that at uh, Fighter Fest 2023, he uh, he defeats Aaron Solo. Which that was one of the only matches that was a little bit weaker out of all of them. Which funny enough, I mean, we're talking 32 fucking matches. That was the only one that I was like, huh. And then uh, this week, which we haven't talked about in length until tomorrow. Well, it's, most of you guys will listen to this Monday, so fucking today. Uh, where he defeats Penta El Sedimiero in a fucking unbelievable match. Orange Cassidy, truly. I, I, I don't think it's... It's not even hyperbole to say this already. I think this is the best title run I've seen since I've been watching wrestling for a few years here. It's my favorite one. And I'm, I'm not even going to say the best. It's my favorite title reign. Because like one of our shows that we love, The Mandalorian, the story, the journey was the story. And the journey that Orange Cassidy took this title on truly was an amazing story to follow. I loved it every week. Every time Dynamite opened up with Jane, we knew we were set for a fucking great time. That backpack has had a lot of gold in it. And uh, Orange Cassidy, uh, he deserves his flowers for this. And AW All Out deserves its flowers, because I love this fucking show. Uh, I need some closing thoughts on his title reign, and then uh, and then let's send this thing home. What? Just, just, uh, just so good, man. I I think the the best way to encapsulate Orange Cassidy's title reign in like a short a short way would be to say that he took um a title that had like no expectations that was coming off of like a sort of weird situation where they tried to defend it in like multiple countries and like it didn't quite really work out the way they wanted it to it's really hard to just on the fly schedule that stuff I would assume you know um and so it had no expectations. He he had nothing to work with, essentially. And not only did he define this title, but he made it so important that I think that now that Moxley has this title, knowing how Moxley handles these kinds of situations where he gets a lot of pressure put on him, it's like now he's got to follow up this incredible title reign. It's going to con- I think it's going to create this aura around this championship much like how the NXT championship, the main world title on NXT had for years, this sort of work ethic and sort of grind and level of understanding of whether or not it's real fighting or not. You understand that that title to hold that title means you are the hardest working person in that company. That is this championship now in AEW. Yeah, absolutely. And very well put. Well, guys, if you enjoyed this, hit a little follow or subscribe, whatever your platform says. We're all over the place. We have our our Twitter that we use, Eat Sleep Elite. If you drop a follow, we uh, we follow everyone back. We're trying to, like, we create a little community over there. And uh, I feel like every day we got new people following from one way or another. And uh, it, it always is fucking awesome. And, you know, when we, we'll post updates there uh, when, we, when it matters. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow we're going to have our normal show of Eat Sleep Elite where we we give our favorites of the week from uh, the AEW shows. We run through the news of the week, which <laughs> uh one of the biggest news weeks ever. <laughs> and uh, we just break down the shows and stuff. So thank you, everyone, for checking this out. If this was your first time, 
Thank you very much for sticking throughout the whole fucking show. And if you guys have been with us for God knows how long, some of you years, some of you months, some of you, this is your second show. You found us at all in and uh, we really appreciate it. So uh, we're going to have a uh, Wardlow since he wasn't on the show. He's going to, he's going to take us home here. All right. And he, he, he knows what to do. Wardlow. Do you think? 